0: Uh, Lord Jesus, the Mark records for us the start of um, that story, a familiar story, uh, that uh, so many gathered that there was no room left. Their hearts were burning to hear what you had to say. And we pray that that would be true for us uh, this morning, probably familiar passage to many of us. And yet we thank you that still you speak and still you forgive our sins. Help me as I speak. Help us as we listen, we pray. Amen. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, but a few years ago, there was a program on Channel 4, I think, called um, Undercover Boss. The whole kind of idea of the program is that CEOs of major high street companies go kind of undercover in their own organization to get this sort of, uh, I guess, a, a kind of shop floor view of what life is like. Um, some of the most excruciating moments come, as you can imagine, when the, uh, the employees sort of start treating the newbie with a bit of a disrespect. They don't really recognize who he is. And then, of course, at the end of the program, it's revealed. And their look on their faces as they think of all the things that they've said and done to their CEO uh, becomes apparent to them. Uh, knowing who somebody is is absolutely critical if we're to uh, relate to them in a proper way. Uh, apparently, the playwright, Noel Coward, was once asked uh, whether, uh, what he thought about God, uh, and his response was uh, typically witty, I guess. Uh, We've never been properly introduced, he said. <laughs> Great answer, I guess, we could say. Uh, but Mark's Gospel is written to do just that, to introduce us to Jesus, uh, who is, Mark says, God's Son and King. He's come to earth, uh, and uh, he has come to rule. And in this famous story, Mark gives us another window on who this king is and what he's come to do. Uh, firstly, I want you to just draw out for us uh, one point for us. Uh, Jesus makes for us in this passage an amazing promise. Uh, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll know that we're going through Mark's gospel. Uh, and chapter 1 recorded for us at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We've seen Jesus call his followers. Together, we've seen him start to demonstrate his authority over sickness and evil, to the amazement of all the watching uh, crowds. Uh, And our story picks up this morning as Jesus returns home from that uh, first sort of preaching tour. Uh, He's returned home to his uh, his his base in Capernaum. It's a small village. It's on the uh, on the north shore of uh, Lake Galilee. It still exists. You can go and uh, go and see it. Uh, And if Jesus had been hoping. For a break, as I guess he might have been after the exhausting uh, last few months, uh, he was going to be disappointed. As soon as the news got out that Jesus had returned home, uh, Mark records for us how the crowd swarmed around him, flooding uh, to see him. Even the house uh, where he was staying uh, was filled so that there was no room left, not even outside the door. Uh, even then, in the midst of that excitement, Jesus preached the word. To them, we're told. Verse 2, his primary task. Uh, he's already told the disciples uh, back in uh, chapter 1 uh, that that is why he's come. He's come to preach the good news, the gospel of God to them. And we can see it again here. And yet, this impromptu sermon by Jesus suddenly gets interrupted by an extraordinary uh, incident. Verses uh, 3 to 4. Uh, some men arrive carrying their paralyzed friends with them on his bed to see Jesus. Uh, Mark tells us virtually nothing about these men or the man who they were carrying, Uh, apart from the fact we can pick up that they cared deeply for him, uh, and they believed passionately that if anyone could heal him, if anyone could meet his needs, it was Jesus. We don't know anything about them. Maybe they'd uh, heard stories of what Jesus had been up to in other villages. Perhaps uh, they'd, uh, they'd even seen it themselves. They'd maybe gone to, to see it. They'd seen with their own eyes Jesus healing people. And they'd instantly thought, wow, if anyone can sort our friend out, uh, it's this man. I guess most of us, if we were in that situation, we'd come to Jesus with a particular request and we'd discovered him busy preaching, surrounded by people, uh, would probably have been tempted to, uh, to just go home, I guess. Or maybe if we're really British, to start queuing. Um, these men were not so easily stopped, and they certainly weren't uh, British. Uh, in Jesus' day, houses usually had an outside staircase, uh, which would go up to the top of the roof, uh, and you could use that roof as a quiet place uh, to sort of get some rest and uh, as a sort of extra, extra bit of space. Uh, and the roof itself would be made up of uh, kind of flat beams that were laid across between uh, walls, and then they would be covered with a sort of compound of mud and rock and straw and things like that, all mixed together. Uh, And when it hardened, it created a kind of flat and uh, firm and stable surface. Uh, It would have been pretty easy for them, actually, to just start digging out between these two, two uh, beams. You could have just, you know, selected your spot and started digging it out uh, and made a hole. It, wouldn't, it would have made some damage, but it would have been easy uh, to repair. Uh, and then they could lower their friend inside, as Mark uh, records for us. Well, we find their uh, actions pretty surprising. I guess probably the crowd did as well. It's not really what you expect, is it? Somebody digging through your reef. Uh, but if the friend's actions were surprising... How Jesus responds is even more surprising. Uh, Mark records for us uh, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Let's just pause for a minute. Jesus has had lowered before him a man who's lying on his bed. He's completely paralysed, as far as we can tell. It should be pretty obvious, shouldn't it, what this guy's need is. We can perhaps imagine the baffled looks on the crowd's face. I mean, they, they know that Jesus can heal him; they've, they've seen that. Perhaps we can imagine the pain in the hearts of the friends. It's pretty obvious what Jesus needs to do for him. Why is he not just doing it as he's done to everybody else? But the shocking thing is, both for the crowd and for us, uh, is that Jesus has actually identified what the man's biggest problem is. It looks like he needs healing. But actually, his biggest problem is that he is a sinner. He's rebelled against God, just like all of us have. He's turned against God. We've refused to let him be in charge. His sins are actually the biggest problem in his life. Uh, When we talk of sin today, in our day and age, it almost seems a little bit old-fashioned, doesn't it? Uh, If we do talk about sin... Uh, sin tends to be sort of treated as something a little bit uh, naughty. Um, I remember when I, I used to work for a department store, and I remember seeing an, an advert uh, which talked about something being deliciously sinful, as if it's sort of idea, it's a bit naughty and it's a kind of a treat thing. You shouldn't really have it, but, but, but you can. Maybe you remember um, a few years ago, Magnum Ice Cream ran a campaign called the Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, and for each of the Seven Deadly Sins, they had a kind of special ice cream that you could, you could buy. It's this kind of idea that's a bit naughty, a bit of a kind of guilty pleasure. We shouldn't really have it, but it's okay. It won't won't do us that much harm, uh, we think. Uh, The Bible's picture of sin could not be further away from that. It's far more serious than buying an extra handbag or an overpriced ice cream. Uh, Literally, the the word uh, to sin means to miss the mark. It's a bit like kind of an arrow falling short of a target. You fire an arrow at a target if it fell short. It's, It's that kind of idea Uh, To be a sinner is to be somebody who has failed to live up to God's standards. Uh, St. Paul famously put it like this. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, It is to fall short of God's glory, God's standards, God's burning holiness. Uh, All of us are guilty. There's no exceptions. Not a single one of us can say that that's not us. That's my neighbor over there, but it's not me. And the Bible is equally clear that because we've failed to meet God's standards, uh, we're separated from Him, both now and forever. I guess if we were to take a snap uh, poll of our gathering this morning, uh, we'd all find that we have different needs, different things that are on our hearts. Uh, for some of us, it will be world issues, perhaps like the Nepalese earthquake. Uh, maybe for others of us, it's we need a job or accommodation. Uh, in the next, uh, next few weeks, next few months. Uh, maybe for others of us, it is healing. Uh, all of those things are important. Don't, uh, let me, uh, let me, don't, let, don't go away with the impression that we're saying those things are not important. They are. Jesus cares about them, and he can meet those needs. And yet there is one need, says Jesus here, that is shared by all of us, and it is far more serious than any of those things, as hard as it might be to believe. It is the need to be forgiven, to have our sins dealt with, so that we can be reconciled to God and know Him again. What is even more shocking is that Jesus here claims to be the one who can deal with this supreme problem. Uh, Notice, He doesn't say, uh, God, would you please forgive this man? You could do, I suppose. But He doesn't. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. He declares forgiveness himself. It's no wonder that the religious leaders who are watching and listening uh, inwardly accuse him of blasphemy, verses 6 and 7. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Uh, The Jews believe that only God could possibly forgive sin. Uh, So for Jesus to claim to be able to forgive sins, he is basically saying he's God. That is an astonishing claim to make on any level. That is blasphemy if it were not true. Uh, many people today, and maybe people here in this room, are very comfortable with the idea that Jesus was a wise man, some kind of sage, a good person, perhaps a great moral example to us all. Uh, the comedian Billy Connolly, I guess, speaks for lots of people. He uh, said this, I-, I can't believe in Christianity, but I believe that Jesus was a wonderful man. Jesus was a wonderful man. Let's not make any uh, doubt about that. But he claimed to be more than that. Uh, In this story, we see him claiming to be able to forgive sins and therefore to be claiming to be God. Uh, As C.S. Lewis, the writer and apologist, famously put it, uh, these are the words of a liar or a lunatic, unless he was right. But how can we know? How can we know that these words are true and that Jesus was right? Uh, we can know because Jesus gives us a wonderful proof. He's made an amazing promise. He gives us wonderful proof. Uh, I have a friend who, um, who tells a story of how his grandfather, quite a long time ago, was, uh, it was, he's bald, he went bald at an early age, and was approached by a hair restorative uh, firm to appear in an advert Uh, for their hair cream Uh, and the idea was they do a kind of before and after uh, photo shoot, you probably know the idea don't you? Um, My friend's uh, grandfather said yeah I'm happy to do that he got paid a fair bit of money uh, for doing it he was a bit shocked uh, to uh, discover that he was never going to get given the hair restorative cream at all Uh, they just give him a wig for the uh, second photo (laughs) shoot it tells you something about how much they backed their claim that this uh, product could restore uh, your hair now it's quite funny isn't it Uh, But I wonder if we're tempted to think that Jesus' claims are on a similar level to that um, hair restorative cream. I mean, how on earth can he prove it? He said that he can forgive sins, but at the end of the day, he could just go away. We never know. Never proved. It could just be like some other huckster or snake oil salesman trying to sell his products, some kind of fantasist who thinks that he's got uh, power. How do we know that Jesus has the power to forgive sins? He's making these grand claims. How on earth do we know? Uh, Jesus knew that this is what the religious leaders were thinking, Uh, and he answers it with his own question in turn. So uh, verse 8, we're told, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Uh, Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? And his next act proves beyond doubt that he is indeed the Son of Man, who has authority on earth to forgive sins. At his word, this paralysed man is healed and able to rise unaided, pick up his mat that he was carried in on, and walk out and go home. He is healed fully. Not only can Jesus forgive him, but he can heal him. Uh, Jesus is the one who has authority over sin. He has authority over sickness and disease. Truly, this man is the Son of God. Uh, the Jews believed that not only was it only God who could forgive sins, but also it was only God who could bring full healing. Uh, Jesus has just done both. That is a claim to be God, like no other. Uh, his claims are not the rantings of a madman or a snake oil salesman or some kind of fantasy of a, a lunatic. They are completely lucid, they are completely true, and Jesus can back them up. He is the Son of God. He has authority to heal the sick and to forgive our sins. And as we read on in Mark, we can see uh, that not only does Jesus have the authority to declare it, but he can make it a reality. Mark recalls for us how uh, the story of Jesus' life was that he went to the cross to die in our place on our behalf, for sin, he can accomplish it as fact. The claim that he makes here is not simply amazing. It's not so good that we can't believe it. It is true. No wonder the crowds are absolutely amazed. And praise God uh, for what they have seen. Unfortunately, Mark doesn't record for us the immediate reactions of the uh, of the uh, the religious leaders. To the miracle they just witnessed. And yet, if we read on in the passage, in this chapter, we get some sense of, of what seems to have happened. Uh, it seems that little really has happened for them in their own hearts. In fact, their opposition to Jesus that they showed in our story has probably, if anything, uh, intensified. Uh, verse uh, 16 for us, uh, there's uh, Jesus uh, calls Levi, uh, one of the tax collectors. He goes to meet with the, the uh, with sinners. The, the outcasts, uh, the teachers of the law, are uh, criticising again. We then have a question about fasting. Yet again, uh, we see them opposing Jesus. And then again, a question about the Sabbath, as the chapter draws to a close. Once again, uh, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, opposing uh, Jesus. Uh, they refuse to acknowledge Jesus for who he is, or to comfort to him uh, for the forgiveness that they too need to receive and only he can give Uh, think about it they had seen the same things that the crowd had seen they'd heard the same words they'd seen the same things and even more than that they had given their life to studying the scriptures they should have recognized the son of god and the messiah if anybody in israel should have done and yet whilst the crowd worshiped and acclaimed jesus their hearts were hardened they turned away and uh, refused. The power that Jesus demonstrated that day in Capernaum is the same power that he still works in lives today. Uh, I had the great joy uh, this week of seeing that in two people, two people coming to uh, realise that Jesus is the Son of God who died and is able to offer full and complete forgiveness of sins. It was true, two thousand years ago, it still remains true today. These claims are not the claims of a madman or a a huckster or a fantasist. They are statements of fact. And if Jesus is right that the greatest need of every single one of us is to be forgiven, even that's the greatest need of a man who is crippled and bedridden, then surely we should listen to his words and come to him this morning? We have that choice that faced the people who saw it that first time around. Do we go with the crowds who acclaimed Jesus as the Lord and King, praised him for what they had seen and what he could do? Or are we going to go with the religious leaders who turned away, remained hardened skeptics, and opposed to him? I don't know where you are this morning. Perhaps uh, this morning you're aware that you have never asked Jesus for that forgiveness. You know you need it. Uh, if you were to look back at your life, you know that there's plenty of things that you're deeply, deeply ashamed of. Uh, and maybe you've tried lots of things to sort it out. Maybe you've uh, tried some mindfulness courses or something to try and deal with things. Maybe you've uh, tried to be a better person, made pl- countless New Year's resolutions of trying to uh, do better this time. And yet the same thing always seems to happen. Uh, The problem is not trying harder, it's coming to Jesus. Jesus is the one who forgives us. He offers us complete freedom from guilt, from shame, from the power of the sin that grips us and dominates our lives. Uh, Maybe you're somebody who has come to Jesus in the past. You know his power firsthand, and yet you know that over the years things have got a bit dull. Perhaps you've walked away from him. There's things that have got in between. Maybe it's broken relationships things that have gone sour. Maybe it's ambitions that have been thwarted and left you bitter. Maybe it's sexual sin for somebody, an inappropriate relationship. Maybe it's uh, a habit uh, that has started to grip you and you know that you need uh, to be set free. Jesus is the one who makes the promise that we can be forgiven and set free from sin. He did it to the paralytic. He's done it to thousands and millions through history. He can do it today. Uh, the promise that he makes right at the end of uh, of the account of him calling uh, Levi is these amazing words. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who he need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. That's you and me. Let's come to him. I'm going to invite you. Let's uh, stand. I guess for all of us, uh, we're aware of things in our lives uh, that are not right. We've already asked for forgiveness early in the service, but it may be in particular there are some things, some long-term issues that we are uh, struggling to deal with, and it's right that we uh, come before the Lord Jesus and acclaim him as the King and ask him for his forgiveness. Let's have a moment to be still, and I'm going to lead us uh, in a prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you didn't just make astonishing promises that you couldn't back up.